My name is Jeremy, and this is Good Beer Matters. Lunches are very long. We have uh, aperitivo, we have antipasto, we have primo piatto, we have second piatto, and it never ends. Our beers tend to look for elegance and balance. This is a, a very important point for, for Italian beer scene. Uh, it is the way in which families, communities, they stick together, they stay together. Italy is best known for their culinary and wine traditions that extend thousands of years, not beer. But that's the point. Imagine what they can do when they include great beer. My next guest guides us to that inflection point when good beer meets a culture known for its flavor. We find great experiences at the intersection of craft and culture. These are the stories of us, of great food and the beer that brings it all together. For the craft and culture of beer, this is episode 140 of Good Beer Matters with editor of the Italian Beer Guide, Luca Giacone. Welcome back to the Good Beer Matters podcast. Uh, this one, you know, I, I, I say this often, this one's going to be really fun. And the reason why this one is going to be really fun, for me at least, is early on in my career, uh, I, you know, I had a fascination with Italy. I worked in a fantastic Italian restaurant, uh, so much so that it inspired, you know, when I got married, we went to Italy for our honeymoon. And so I got to experience some of the culture on the ground in, in different parts of Italy and 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 who doesn't who doesn't love Italy? Who doesn't love the food and the culture from from there? But but today we're going to talk about the beer and the culture and the experience of Italy as well from from uh, my next guest who who knows it very very well. Luca, thank you so much for coming onto the Good Beer Matters podcast. Yeah, thanks to you for having me. It's a, it's a pleasure and an honor. Thanks. Oh, uh, the pleasure is mine and ours. So. Uh, but but first of all, uh, will you introduce yourself and 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 tell us a little bit about your background within within uh, the beer culture? Yeah. Uh, so my name is Luca, as you already said. Uh, I'm from uh, the northwest part of Italy, Piedmont, the, pretty close to the famous uh, wine region in which we produce Barolo and Barbaresco. I, I think you know that those mm-hmm. stuff. And uh, as you can see, I'm a librarian in my daily job. So I work in a public library of my town that is called Cuneo. And uh, in my spare time, I do drink beer, I taste beer and go around uh, having beers. And uh, since the first edition, I'm the editor of the Italian Beer Guide that is published by Slow Food uh, Publishing House. Uh, Slow Food is an international movement born in the small village of Bra. I know this term is a bit uh, funny for you guys, you English-speaking guys. Uh, yeah. Yes, but I, I, this is one of the topics I want to dive into because, uh, yeah. at least here in the U.S. and and quick story, quick story. Uh, it, it to this day it still pains me. But we we were my my wife and I, my newlywed wife uh, on our honeymoon. We were entering the Sistine Chapel. The Sistine Chapel, and and I have a picture of it. There's a sign that says "Enter here for the Sistine Chapel," and just down the road behind it was a McDonald's. Talk about a fast food versus slow food collision. So uh, I just I just want to frame that. Uh, but but tell us more about the slow food. Yeah. So as you said, this is the country of food, of wine culture, of eating culture, and it, 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 the same here in which McDonald's arrived in Italy. Uh, a movement completely opposite called slow food, so not fast food, but slow food, uh, yeah. was born as well. And the, the aim is to protect the traditional food, uh, traditional um, everything that has been made uh, since ages here in Italy. So even uh, um, um, pigs, uh, different kind of pigs, of course, of, of stuff, a different way of doing things to eat. Uh, at the end, and uh, and th- the goal is simply to 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 save our world because doing food in a traditional way is also much more sustainable, uh, if not better for tasting and for gathering people together. So it's it's pretty complicated stuff, but um, at the beginning, at least, it was 
just protecting the, the good stuff we have in Italy uh, against the, the, the foreigner conquerors, you know, and <laughs> that was happening. And the slow food since the beginning, uh, when the uh, craft beer movement um, was born in Italy, that was around 96, uh, they have the, the idea that something important was happening, even in, in a wine country, we, we get into that. And so uh, we... So uh, food was actually the first to 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 add a beer guide in Italy, and since the first edition, I'm the editor together with a uh, bunch of other people. That every two years we do that, and together with Slow Food, I also published a, um, a, a much more general book called Il Piacere della Birra, the Pleasure of Beer, and that is a general book on beer production, tasting, a uh, bit of geography, uh, pairing, of course, for us is very important. And the last one is a book dedicated to, to, to Belgian beer culture that is, uh, of course, very important, uh, particularly for the Italian beer movement. So a lot of breweries took their inspiration there. So that's briefly my, my background. I'm also a beer judge and I travel every year two, three times a year for international beer competition, like uh, the European Beer Star in Germany, the World mm-hmm. Beer Cup in the US, and uh, Brussels Beer Challenge, of course, in Belgium. And yeah, that's it. That, that's that's enough. Um, you, you do quite a bit within the beer and 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 judging around the world. That's that's fantastic. Um, yeah, the, I, I kind of want to use this whole, your, your discussion about the slow food movement. I, I want to use that as a kind of setting the scene of, of, of what we're talking about. Uh, and, and please correct me if I'm wrong, but to my memory, uh, the idea of, of people getting, uh, collectively spending a lot of time cooking together, uh, a lot of time eating together not just let's hurry up and get this food done so we can go off and do our thing no th- that is the event we're going to sit down we're going to eat we're going to have a discussion it may take two three hours or more and and you mentioned pairing is is very important to you uh it, the idea of of uh, having this wine or in our case this beer that works well with this particular dish is just is just kind of a normal pursuit that, that, you know, that, that, that's how we do it here. I, I, you know, who doesn't do it this way? Well, a lot of people don't do it that way, <clears throat> but this, this cold, so far you're nodding your head. So it sounds like I have this correctly so far, but this has been the, the thought process for a very, very, very long time. This is, this is not a new trend for Italy. This is a new trend for the U.S. This is where, ooh, pairing, oh, all the fancy people are doing it. But in Italy, you've been doing it for generations, right? Yeah, exactly. That's, that's our history. You can go back to the Romans, to the, to the ancient Rome, uh, in which the strongest, the richest people, the, the powerful man, was uh, inviting home uh, a bunch of people, having uh, a very long banquet. They in, in Romans villas, they had the, uh, the morning side and the afternoon side, depending on the, the sun. So you can you can be in the shadow or in, in the sunlight, depending on the time of, of the day, since those parties will go on all the day. And you have musicians, you have poetry, you have every sort of art, and the, the leading person was the man that was able to put uh, a super good lunch and dinner with, you know, arts and stuff. So this is, that is our cultural model, and it is how we do. So uh, when, when, when we meet, and I, I'm going to invite you to having lunch or dinner, or maybe both, not to have a simple glass of something. I mean, of course, drinking is involved, uh, not mm-hmm. only wine, beer, cocktails, whatever, but there's always a table, chairs, and a lot of time to be relaxed and to discuss and to talk. And our um, dishes, our, our um, sorry, our, our uh, lunches are 
very long. Uh, you know, foreigners are, are kidding with us because we have uh, aperitivo, we have antipasto, we have primo piatto, we have secondo piatto, and it, it never ends. But it is like that because we do love spending time. And uh, usually when uh, uh, the, the more you go south in Italy, the more this is uh, huge. And um, I remember I, I had a girlfriend from Sicily And I remember uh, staying there during breakfast. Her grandmother was asking me, "What, Luca? What do you want for lunch?" And having lunch, she was asking, she was asking me, "And and what about dinner? What do you want for dinner?" So while we are eating, we already think about the next meal, you know. So it, it is something for us really important, very cultural, uh, crucial, and uh, it is the way in which families, communities they stick together, they stay together. So um, during, for instance, during the, the, the picking of the grapes, everybody is in, was involved in, in, in that task. Everybody is giving some effort and end to, to do that. It's like the, the picking of the hops in Germany. It's the same. Every, every single man, girl, boy in the community is do, was doing something for that no it was always it was manual it was not like like today that there's a lot of machines doing that so everything was doing was, was done by hand but everybody is doing a piece of that because it, it's a way of keeping together small communities small villages in the countryside and yeah and that so there's something for us very very important and a lot of our traditional food is coming from that story, from the, the, from the aspect that everything was yeah, done by the community for the community. So this is something very important to protect also little economy of, the, of small villages that otherwise will disappear. Every, everyone will go to the big cities and find a job somewhere yeah. in a factory or no. Well, You you have me think as you're describing that where all the kids are involved the the men and women are involved of this process it it, it kind of made me a little bit jealous because I think about the times when you know uh, you know life life is busy adulting is hard uh, my wife and I are working on dinner or one of us is working on dinner one of us is working on something else you know the kids are off in their rooms either doing something or doing nothing but we're not together making this so it it becomes Uh, and and I know I'm not alone in this, but it 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 becomes the the point where just making dinner is just a utilitarian thing. We need to eat something before we go off and do our own thing again. And and I think we're the poorer for it. I think uh, you know it, we don't spend enough time where we make a dinner and we all sit around the table. We all have a conversation about something that doesn't happen often enough. And I see the downside of that. And what you're describing is, is uh, you know, everyone is all hands on deck. We're all getting together to do this thing. And we're going to spend a lot of time and you're the better for it. Yeah. Is that, is that, I, I guess my question would be is, is, you know, with the proliferation of, of busyness and society and everything else, Uh, are, are we just missing out on that experience of getting together with your friends and family for hours at a time, lunch and dinner? Hey there, it's me, Jeremy again. I forgot to mention that I also have a podcast with my dear friend, the incredible Julia Hers. Together, we've created the Sense of Beer Style podcast. It's the essential training for those who want to lead in food and beverage. We created prepisodes to cover foundational beer knowledge, as well as style casts to walk you through each category of the 2021 BJCP Beer Style Guidelines. If you work with beer as part of your job, then subscribe and listen so you can become an authority. Go to senseofbeerstyle.com to subscribe. Uh, I'm not saying this is happening every single day, lunch and dinner. I mean, we uh, we do live in, in in a modern world, so we do have jobs, we do have stuff to do, so we we do rush, of course. But still, we uh, we we have very clear the idea that sitting together, having dinner together, all the family talk about stuff is something very important, and and we are trying to protect that. And in our in, in weekends, in our spare time, having 
dinner, lunch together with friends and family is still something hugely common in Italy. And so, uh, of course, there are days in, in which you grab a sandwich and you do what you can. But, yeah. but uh, we know that it is, that it is wrong. You know, yeah. and we try to protect what what's 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 right and what's good for us. So, within that context, thank you for setting that scene. This this is the culture that we're talking about when it comes to Italy the the the, the communal culture of eating and drinking. But when I think of Italy, when I think of uh, Italian food. When I think of that culture, the first thing, well, one of the first things that comes to mind that I think anyone would rationally think is like, well, Italy equals wine, right? But we're on a beer podcast. You're a beer guy. I'm a beer guy. What is the state of craft beer uh, in the context of of this cultural togetherness and, and in the uh, contrast between beer versus wine in Italy? Yeah, uh, you, you are absolutely right. Uh, Italy is a wine country. And in uh, 1861, when uh, Italy was officially born, uh, as you know, we have a pretty complex history. Uh, at that time, we had a lot of different states. Um, my region was under the French influence. Then there was the, the church, the Vatican, that was very strong in the central part of Italy. And... The, the Austria um, involving the northwest Lombardy and Veneto and stuff. So it was pretty a complex uh, geography and, and politician uh, at that time. And even today is not that easy. But at that time, uh, the beer consumption was 0 0.1 uh, sorry, 0 0.1 per year. So we are talking about 10 centiliters, a small, very small glass. A year each Italian, that is almost nothing. While yeah. wine consumption were more than 100 liters, and that's a lot. 100 liters of wine, uh, it's, it's actually a lot. I've shared with you a graph. I don't know if it is possible to uh, put it on the screen, but you will see. Uh, yeah, we'll, we'll just talk about it. Okay, uh, you, you will see that um, the wine line is descending little by little, so starting from more than 100, going down and down and down. Nowadays, is more or less the same of beer, and beer was started less than zero, and now we are around 35, uh, and wine is between 35 and 40. It depends on the, on the stats you, you read, so... It's changing a bit, but it's it's almost the same. So what's happening is that the wine consumption is and went hugely down. That's why that's because uh, a lot of people uh, quit to to have wine at lunch, at dinner every single day. That was absolutely common. Uh, I remember my uh, grand grandfather. Uh, he used to eat to have wine every single meal of his life no exception even when he was sick i don't drink water and <laughs> that was common and uh, and beer uh, changed to from uh, um, exotic beverage maybe summerish something you have only when it's very warm together with pizza Mm, that was the the, the, the the common usual usual pairing of, of beer, uh, but I have to say that um, in order to understand the, the picture, that uh, up to '96, up to the craft revolution, Italian beers were only industrial, of course, but uh, mainly um, inspired to uh, German lager, something like that. Mm -hmm. uh, 40% of uh, corn, usually, or rice, uh, so we call it in Italian succedane, so other cereals rather than barley malt, and uh, with a very low bitterness and really uh, very little taste in, 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 those, in those lagers. And so it was really an alternative to a soft drink. I can say something like that. So something you 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 have only with, with when you are thirsty, and uh, so it was 
a glass of beer till then was not something you can you can have with with a meal you can pair with food and that as as, as we said before is a huge problem for us so in 96 when when the the craft move, movement came came out uh, the the idea of beer started to change a lot uh, one of the first brewery, brewers in, in Italy is uh, Theo Musso, the famous Baladeng brewery. And uh, Theo was, uh, still today he is, uh, absolutely convinced that a good beer can pair an excellent uh, food, an excellent meal, and uh, particularly with the Italian kitchen, and I, I agree with him. And, and uh, he, uh, he was the first to, to produce two... Belgian inspired beer. One was a Blanche and another was, was an Amber Abbey something. And uh, he put those beers in, in 75 CL bottles, very fancy with a, a winey shape and the logo mm-hmm. of, the, of the brewery on the, on the glass and very, very good looking as a bottle of wine. And mm-hmm. he sent those uh, samples to hundreds of, uh, of, of restaurants in Italy, trying to convince them uh, to try the, the Blanche with, uh, uh, he said, white food, uh, meaning uh, uh, soft cheeses, uh, um, uh, chicken uh, or uh, first dishes like that. And mm-hmm. the other one, the 8% uh, Abbey beer with the red uh, meats, uh, red uh, dishes, so like uh, yeah, meat or aged cheese or something like that. And it was actually something shocking for uh, the Italian uh, restaurants to to discover that yes, a good glass glass of beer can pair also a good a good uh, meal, a good dish, and that changes everything. Because in our mind, that gave. Uh, um, not exactly the same, but uh, something similar to the to the importance of wine, you know, to the of the of uh, the nobiltà, noblesse of of the wine. So, if if a glass can pair a food, okay, for us it, it's it's interesting, and uh, uh, from from there, uh, a lot a lot of uh, different styles. Uh, came to the market, not only uh, related to food, I mean, not only beers that can pair very well food, we have also a lot of IPAs, a lot of uh, stuff like that, that easy, uh, that pairs very well with a glass, I already say, <laughs> as a joke. Mm-hmm. Uh, so not, not necessarily you, you, you have to pair something with those beers, uh, but yeah, um, the the the, the turning point was that uh, having something that can, can that presents itself as a wine and not as a soda, and can stay with food very well, not only with pizza. The, the, I don't know why uh, Italians they do uh, choose uh, beer with, together with pizza. I think for a couple of reasons. One is that pizza in the north of Italy. Is an exotic was an exotic dish and something that arrives in my region only in the seventies, not before. And it's, and it's a, a cheap dish, a cheap uh, meal, so it's something very easy. And uh, I think there's the, the, the true reason is that uh, usually pizza has a tomato sauce, and tomato sauce is, is pretty sour, and so this sourness don't pair very well with with wine. So when you yeah. pair a glass of wine with, with a, a red pizza, something is a, a, bit, a bit wrong in your taste. So maybe that's why uh, beer was a uh, uh, classical uh, pairing with pizza. Well, and, and beer and pizza is just that classic, iconic, you know, sl- every time it's a slam dunk for the most part. Uh, but I, I love that that you're describing a scene you know from the 70s onward that you know when italians have pizza and italians know pizza uh, when they have pizza they prefer beer because they're being mindful of 
of the the flavor profile of the red sauce in the pizza and how it how it kind of clashes with wine it, it you, what you're describing or at least what i'm pulling out of it is this is how people think in italy people don't think oh pizza beer great let's go people think how does it taste they take the time to pay attention to what it is they're experiencing and decide okay how can i improve upon this is yeah. that fair is that yeah. accurate maybe a, a bit too generous by you but, but yeah uh, i mean uh, generally speaking italians they do take care of what they taste and um craft breweries at the beginning they do a lot a lot of tasting lessons and tasting courses and uh, i have to say uh, people are generally uh, interested in taste so not everybody mm. Not always, but uh, usually, yes, we take our time, we have a small sip and, okay, this this is something I like, this is something a bit, a bit less. So, uh, for us, taste is, is something very important. And uh, um, I have to say that um, we, since we like to pair beers and uh, with food, our, generally speaking, our beer, our beers tends to look for elegance and balance. This is a, a very important point for, for Italian beer scene. Uh, when you taste in, in a festival, maybe, a lot of uh, uh, beers from uh, foreign country, like, let's make an example from the US, mm-hmm. and then taste uh, Italian beers. I even, this was very clear in a very famous uh, beer festival because it called... Um, Arrogant Sour Festival held in Reggio Emilia every two years. It's one of the most important uh, beer events in the world for sour beers. And, and there are a lot, a lot of beers from uh, abroad. And you taste a couple of sours from the US and a couple of sours from Italy. And immediately you get um, a different level of intensity, meaning yeah. US beers are, you know, uh, bold and you have a lot of taste going on. And it, uh, the first sip is always, oh my God, what's this? While yeah. Italian beers tend to be a, a little more subtle, a, a little, maybe a little less punchy at the beginning, but then much more balanced, so easier to pair with food, easier to maintain, you know, a long mm-hmm. conversation and take our time. That's how, how we do things. So, yeah. Uh, even when uh, uh, I'm sure we will ask something about that later, so just a, a sentence on that. When we, uh, our brewers, meet the, the grapes uh, to, to create the famous Italian grape ale, they always look for a very good level of balance between the, the cereals and the grapes, between the winey touch and the beer background. And our Italian grape is uh, usually are not that uh, they are not shouting. You know? you know, they are speaking with with a lower tone of, of voice. Yeah, and, and 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 that's our style. So that's the way we, we do love things. Well, and this is one of the things that I love to kind of point out is you can you can get a sense of the culture um, just by tasting the stuff, and, and you know by you're a beer judge. I'm a beer judge. You know, when I look at, uh, you know, beers from the UK, just generally speaking, the UK, there's, uh, there's a lot more subtlety or, or especially in, in the British beers, there's, there's more subtlety. Um, they don't shout, they whisper the, the stories are fantastic, but they whisper the stories. Uh, German beers just have this elegant refinement to them. Uh, us beers, uh, and I don't mean to come across as being pejorative uh, 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 about this. It's just a it's just a thing I've noticed. But a lot of like our loggers, our IPAs, they're they're bold, they're assertive, they're um, in in the best way and in the worst way possible. Uh, you know, when I think about an American lager versus a good Munich Helles, uh, that that the the American lager is just is just very um, snappy, bitey, and and grainy and that Munich Hellas is just, man, I could, I could drink that all day, every day. <laughs> you know? And it just, it, it really, it sends you on 
uh, what you're talking about is if we're going to sit down and we're going to talk and discuss and taste and be mindful about all the stuff for hours on end, I need something that can help me get through that marathon of an experience, not just a, wow, that was bold. Let's go on the next thing. And, and so uh, again, I'm not trying to downplay one or the other, but it's just, it's, it, it really pays to be mindful of, of the difference of these beers and these difference in these cultures and, and why they are the way they are. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's, it's, uh, beer uh, is an uh, expression of, uh, of culture, of way of being, and yeah, it is like that. And um, Italy, um, compared to the other countries you, you, you've, uh, you've said, like Germany or England, um, we had absolutely no culture of beer. And uh, the, the, the historical breweries in Italy, uh, nowadays, majority of them are being sold and are part of multinational like AB Imbel and Sub Miller and stuff like that, uh, like Moretti, Peroni, and the mm-hmm. famous names you 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 may know. Mm-hmm. And uh, that was um, n- nothing really original, nothing really special. They were simply uh, doing something that we have learned from the Germans, from the Austrians in our in our history. And uh, between the 80s and the 90s, we had quite a few breweries. Uh, majority of them has disappeared, but none of them doing something different. Okay, so we, we just had some yeah, standard continental uh, European lagers, nothing really uh, worth uh, tasting or um, or telling um, the first edition of the Michael Jackson beer guide has like three rows on Italy, and and that's it because there was no interest yeah. in anything. Uh, so when a uh, craft movement started, it was absolutely a revolution. And uh, Agostino Arioli, it's pretty famous, is the the brewer of uh, the founder of Birrificio Italiano. They brew the Tipo Pils. Tipo Pils is a fundamental beer in Italy and uh, I, I'd like to spend a few words on, on that uh, if, if you consider. Oh yeah, I, well, I, I, well, and you already brought up the Italian grape ale and I, and I wanted to talk about Italian Pilsner as well and just kind of get uh, exactly but, uh, uh, hear about let me, it. Let me first tell you a story about uh, Agostino. When uh, in 96 he, he opened his brew pub at that time, uh, an elder man entered the, the pub and with Point, the finger pointed, said, I, I will never drink your beer. Why is that? Because I know you put water in it. So <laughs> at that time, that was our beer culture, you know. You put water in beer. If, if it was wine, it would be terrible, uh, you know, yeah. contamination, but uh, you put water in beer. And, uh, but seriously, Agostino... Uh, it is, I think, a very good example of what we are doing in Italy. So, starting in '96, inspired by German uh, beer culture, he stayed there for, for a while, uh, learning to, to brew. And uh, his goal was to reproduce the famous Jeverpils from the north of Germany. A lot of hops going on. And so, he, he, he selected uh, raw materials from Germany, Barremol from Germany, hops from Germany. Uh, and he he, he, he brewed a pils called Tipo Pils, that means like a pils. But then he said, yes, but uh, I can do something different because uh, simply reproducing a beer that is made in Germany, it's it's pointless. I can I can buy it from I can import it. No, so let's do something different. And he uh, used the the dry hopping. Uh, at that time, uh, very uncommon in Germany, uh, maybe also illegal, but uh, I asked a couple of Germans, they do, they, they reply me different, different things, so I don't know if it was actually legal or not, but at that time in Germany, hops was used only in the, in the warm part, no? in, the, in the boiling. Yeah. 
And uh, so Agostino decided to use dry hopping with German hops from Tetnang. And, and the result was, was a, a pils, but with, with a super floral and very expressive on, on, the, on the herbal notes and on the, on the hops aroma. And for a pils, for a bottom fermented beer, that was absolutely revolutionary. And a lot of yeah. Italian brewers that came after him uh, started to do the same, the same thing. And that's a famous trip that uh, Agostino uh, did with uh, Vinici Lurzo. From, uh, they, they were driving south to go to San Diego, if I remember well, for a World Beer Cup, for judging World Beer Cup. And they stopped by several breweries. And, and Agostino has with him some bottles of uh, Tipo Pils. And every brewer tasting those bottles was saying, oh my God. This is something really good. And after a while, the Ferriston Walker organized a festival in, uh, in their uh, brewery. And Agostino was invited officially. And that was, I guess, the, the starting point in which U.S. brewers started to, to, to know what an Italian piece is, an Italian pilsner is. And I'm really happy and proud that a lot of labels in the U.S. are writing Italian pilsner on their, uh, I have a list that is pretty long. And uh, even if there's no Italian, nothing, no Italian uh, barley, no Italian, of course, no Italian water, uh, no Italian hops. We, we are very, very really at the beginning of hops um, harvesting. Mm. And, but, but there's the Italian idea of brewing beer. Uh, the Italian uh, uh, sense of innovation, of uh, a bit, also a bit of craziness, because uh, uh, I guess you, you need also a bit of a, yeah, to go out of the, the standard path to do something well, like that. Well, to, to, break, to break hundreds of thousands of years of tradition and to do something different, that, 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 <laughs> takes, uh, that takes some, uh, some moxie. Yeah, exactly. But I, I, I think that um, Italian Pilsner, even more than Italian grapes, say, grape ales are something that really are, are telling the world what we are doing in Italy. So uh, with our um, uh, natural uh, passion for innovation and for balance and for, um, as we said before, the good intensity, I mean, Tipo Pils is something uh, that that is uh, deep, you you take the glass to your nose and you say, oh, there's something, but it's not exaggerating. You can, you can drink it all night long. And I'm talking yeah. by experience. <laughs> you, you can drink it all night From long. From thorough research. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And it never, it never gets you bored of that because it's, it's the, the good balance between intensity and, uh, yeah, and, and easy, easy drinkable. Huh? Yeah. You, uh, uh, so I, when, uh, for my honeymoon, uh, my wife and I went to spend some time in Italy and that was incredible. And then here a few years ago, um, um, a few more years ago now, uh, we also spent some time in Spain and one of the things, and that's really when I was really starting to pay very close attention to beer and get into doing what I do now. One of the things that impressed me the most about Spain. And by extension, I, I see the same thing happening with Italy and I'd love you for you to confirm this. Uh, but what I experienced in Spain was you have uh, this long history and tradition and culture, somewhat similar to Italy where we make incredible food. We have incredible wine and we, it is it is normal to us to sit around and talk for hours and have the sobre mesa, you know, and 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 think about pairing and how it tastes together. And even though they were fairly new to the craft beer movement, they weren't new. They 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 knew what they were doing. They were just applying this new ingredient, this new drink, this new thing to their experience, and they were doing it well. Um, uh, you know, they don't claim to be on the vanguard of, of craft beer, but there's a lot that they have to teach the rest of us in craft beer about how to do it right. And, it, and, 
and I bring that up because it sounds like Italy is doing the same thing. Italy may be new to craft beer, but the way that they're approaching craft beer, the way that they're coming up with the uh, Italian Pilsner and the Italian Grape Ale and applying it to this culture that's already entrenched is is very advanced. And and the rest of us who are on the vanguard of craft beer could could learn from what it is you guys are doing. Yeah, yeah, uh, I agree with you. And um, there's one more thing, I guess. The Spain uh, craft beer movement is a bit um, later than, than than ours. So at the beginning, uh, our brewers like Agostino and Theo, already named, um, they had huge problem of uh, knowledge. They mm. simply didn't have uh, technical stuff, and uh, it's funny they uh, know each other. Because they were looking for a densimeter uh, with with the beer scale on it, and, and, and no supplier had it, and so uh, finally they, they they knew they they get one, and the supplier said, "Do you, do you want this?" There's an, another guy asking me that the same stuff a month ago in Lombardia, and uh, really, and that's why the the the. the, the that was the way in which they, they met. So at the beginning, it was really hard to get um, professional stuff. And I have to say, uh, I'm, I'm following the, the craft beer movement since the beginning. And in the first year, it was not always, you know, uh, excellent quality. Uh, but now the, the new generation are, you are absolutely right. They come out with a very well done project and also good beers already uh in, in good shape and and yes in uh, and always uh in the project there's um, not, not always but often there's uh, also an idea of a tap room that is or, or a place in which the, the the beer is 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 served and present to to people and that's a very important aspect because mm-hmm. uh, the our market is a bit difficult. Uh, craft beer has only 5% of the total market, so it's, it's very little. Um, still, we don't are so strong in supermarkets, or I have to say, we have very little craft beer in the supermarket. Um, it's from a side, brewers, they, they, they are a bit scared about being there together with the big guys. And they are Afraid to, to lose the uh, to lose uh, cred- credibility uh, between them and being together with the industrial stuff, and uh, so basically, you you in Italy you find beer in uh, super specialized places like beer shop or independent pubs or restaurants or yeah good uh, pizza places but um, it's not that that easy to, to to get to get the craft beer so that's one of the problems we have so if you if you enter a, a normal bar without any picking up it's not that uh, easy that they will have a craft beer on the contrary usually they, they don't so it's it's kind of a problem and we are working on that and i think the covid period uh, the pandemic uh, gave breweries uh, some time to to reflect on this and to find new uh, solution to get to the people because everybody knows something or have heard in italy uh, craft beer beer artisanale we said and uh, italy is the first country in the world to have a law that defines what a beer artisanale is. Oh. Yeah, it is defined as um, a beer produced into a small brewery, less than 200,000 hectares a year. Uh, that in US will be super small. And yeah. uh, unpasteurized and without any microfiltration. And the, the, the company has to be independent. So our law is uh, very, I have to say, um, it's a bit in the future, no? Because uh, it's, it's it's stating something that in very very similar to what in the U.S. it's it's uh, independent craft brewery, but defined by by the Brewers Association. It, yeah. It's the law that says that, 
And that's very important to protect very little, very small breweries against the, the big guys who sometimes, from time to time, they are trying to do, you know, the crafty beers. So those industrial stuff that mm-hmm. looks a bit like uh, a craft beer, uh, starting talking about hops. In Italy, we have, a, we have a famous brand that is selling the beer two hops, three hops, four hops. So they are trying to use, you know, the you know the the, the walls of, of of the craft beer movement. Yeah, luckily without any result. <laughs> I mean, the, the beers are not that interesting. So well, it yeah. sounds like you know there's a it happens here in the U.S. as well, and I'm sure everywhere where the, uh, the big craft marketing will use words and and play on the consumer's lack of brewing knowledge to exactly. make them think, "Ooh, this must be good." There's a fancy word on the label. It sounds like Italy is doing the same thing. And then there's the point of independence. In in the U.S., you have have a lot. We have also in Italy uh, a few only uh, breweries that are not anymore independent because it's bought by by the big guys. The most famous is Biera del Borgo that was bought some years ago by AB InBev. But luckily, they cannot say beer artisanale anymore. So they cannot write on the label, this is beer artisanale. And that's crucially important because uh, you, right, you are absolutely right. In Italy, much more people have not that knowledge to understand uh, exactly what's going on. No? So they see, a, they see a fancy bottle on the shelf of a supermarket with the IPA written on that. Okay, let's buy it. No? Mm-hmm. And then arrives the taste. But not always is, is, is enough. I mean, uh, yeah. if, if you buy it, if every single Italian buy a bottle of that just to try it, they do billions. So it's, it's important to protect craft breweries. So w- when you do find a, a, a birra artisanal uh, in, in a restaurant, in a bar or something like that, um, how how is the distribution? How is how is the business practice? Uh, do you st- you know in a lot of places outside the U.S. because uh, we're protected by the three tier system somewhat, but uh, in other places you know the, the 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 big breweries will own the bar or buy out the bar, and so craft breweries can't get their beer in there. It, it, what's happening in uh, Italy in, in those terms? Uh, it is it's pretty the same. Uh, so the majority of bars. Cafes are uh, not owned by; they are tied by the the the, the tap uh, system that is owned by a distributor, and of course the the, the cafe is uh, need to to buy uh, the stuff by the distributor. Luckily, uh, the majority of uh, standard distributor are inserting from time to time some craft breweries in in their portfolio. So nowadays it's easier if if you want to do it, even if you don't own your uh, your uh, pouring system, to have a craft beer together with the industrial stuff. But uh, more more commonly, uh, we have uh, an increasing number, luckily, of independent bars and pubs and beer shops. And uh, from the last edition, we include those in our beer guide. Because we think it's very important to tell people you go there and you find the good, the, the right beers at the, at the right prices. And those independent places are free to do whatever. And usually they, they buy directly from the brewer locally and they uh, complete the portfolio with uh, a selection of beers from the uh, specialized distributors that are again, increasing, luckily. So we have a bunch of, uh, let's say, 50, 100, something like that, distributor that is mainly, not only, but mainly focused on craft breweries. So we, the market is increasing. It's difficult because we are not huge drinkers. Uh, 35 liters is, uh, puts us at the last place in Europe as uh, beer consumption. We are very far from 100 30 of the uh, Czech Republic. Uh, <laughs> yeah. uh, so isn't everyone. <laughs> yeah. and, o- and also from Spain, uh, we're talking uh, before, Spain is drinking almost the, 
nearly the double of us. So it's a similar country, um, sunny country, Med- Mediterranean, wine country, food country, but uh, strangely they drink much more than us. And, uh, and, and that's, that's a limit, of course, because uh, if, if we, we double the, the consumption, it could get easier for every breweries. So uh, one point is that we are not that huge drinkers, uh, but it's getting better because uh, people are changing a bit their, their behavior. We are drinking, um, beer consumption is growing, actually. So we are the only, we drink very few, quite few, but we are the one of the few countries in Europe that is going up in, in, in beer consumption. Just mm. 10 years ago, we were, we were under 30, so it's five or more liters uh, increasing, and, and that's a lot. And But yeah, the, nowadays it's, it's getting easier to find uh, a good cafe, a good bar to have uh, decent craft breweries from the region, but on, not only. Yeah. Well, and we have just a few more minutes uh, for wind down questions, but one last big question I want to ask, though, uh, I think this is crucial, is for anyone who wants to travel to Italy, who wants to taste your food, who wants to spend hours having lunch. But, you know, if it were me, I want to come in and I, I want to have a good craft beer. I, you know, I want to have a Trey Fontaine triple or, you know, wh- whatever it may be, but I'd love to taste the wine too. I'm not going to discount the wine. I've had the wine. It's fantastic. I'll have some of that as well. But talking about the craft beer, how can we uh, visit Italy find the craft beer and what's your advice on sitting down and recreating these moments there and also even even at home yeah um so um first of all italy is a pretty uh, huge country uh, meaning not not in, in dimension but in in variety of cultures of, of different regions uh, something happening in piedmont is completely different to something happening in puglia or in sicily so uh, first, first uh, thing to know is that that um, a trip to Italy, um, or it's it's like one month time, or you need to choose a piece. You cannot see everything like Japanese, you know. Yeah. Clicking on your camera one day in Florence, the second in Venice, and the third one in Rome—that's impossible. Uh, I cannot recommend that. I, um, I tried it, and it was too quick. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And when you choose a place, um, there. There are a couple of, of, uh, of tools you, you can you can use. Uh, one for sure is, is the guide I'm the honor to, to edit, because uh, there you find all, not only breweries but also restaurants, cafes, and beer shops that they do have a, a good selection of beers. And uh, and then you have to, um, in my opinion, to do what locals do. So follow the locals and see uh, what what they how they usually approach beer. If you're in Rome, for instance, there's the super famous Ma che siete venuti a fa, that means in Italian, uh, what the hell are you doing here? And it was uh, elected by Raid Beer, the best beer bar in the world some years ago. And it's funny because it's it's a place, it's, uh, I'm sure, uh, smaller than your kitchen. It's like uh, three meters for Per, per five, something like wow. that. It's really little. Uh, wow. Basically, no sitting places. Uh, a lot of tops, very, very well chosen. Not only Italians, but also foreigner stuff. And you are in, in, in Trastevere, that is uh, one of the uh, more crowded uh, block in, in Rome. A lot of night, the night life going on, a lot of people, and everybody's having a glass and drinking outside and talking and spending time. And that will be m- maybe an entire afternoon, having some chat and having beers. And then you go eat at a restaurant with the legs under the table, as we said. Uh, so sitting down, having a proper dish of pasta and something, yeah, relaxed. Uh, we have also some uh, very interesting places that is mixing our food culture with our beer culture. 
and uh, the place owned by Alle, uh, the, the, the organizer of the Arrogant uh, Sour Festival, um, it's, it, it's in Reggio Emilia and it's an incredible place. We uh, listed that place both in the beer guide and in the Osteria guide, so the restaurant guide uh, published by Slow Food, because mm-hmm. at the same time they are doing uh, beer culture, having bottles of Griffontaine of 20 years ago or stuff like that, and food culture, uh, choosing, picking up uh, sheep meat from uh, a very traditional uh, farmer and having pr- proposing you cheeses that nobody knows anymore and traveling all Italy to select uh, good products and you go there, you have dinner there and it's an incredible experience and that's I think what Italian brewers and Italian um, restaurants has to do taking the the, the food and the beer at a higher level with excellent pairing and with with a good also um, I can say this um, putting the, the good value on a glass of beer that is much more than water, barley, hops, fermented. It's something that is, it's an expression of, of, of culture, of, of way of, of living, of way of, of sitting at the table and talk to people. So when you will come to Italy, I will uh, show you something, I will bring you, and but you need to have time. Because uh, uh, when th- there's a glass of beer going, going on, there's also a history to tell that there are people un- under that glass that are um, thinking about what beer should be in our country, thinking yeah. about our food, our weather, our culture, yeah, everything. That's fantastic. Um, so to kind of wind things down, uh, I've got some fun questions for you. Uh, Luca, tomorrow you get to be the king of the entire beer world for the day. What's one thing you would change? Hmm. That's that, that's a good one. Um, uh, for sure, I will. Uh, I'd like that that there will be more more beer culture in every part of the world and in everybody, uh, consumers, but also uh, pub goers and brewers. Even uh, is something that I really. Uh, that really makes me sad is when beer is treated as, you know, yeah, that's a beer. Let's say something, uh, you know, it's not Premier League, it's something different. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, in Italy, when you, when you order a bottle of wine, uh, first of all, every restaurant has a, a book, tick like that, full of wines that nobody knows. Yeah. And so you order a wine and say, oh, I want this. And you don't know what it is. The majority of, 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 of the times, I guess. Uh, I also do love wines and I do some research, but I cannot define me a beer ex- a wine expert. So it's, it's hard to choose. And then when you order the wine, the waiter comes up to you with the bottle like this, like a baby. And he shows you the label and uncork the bottle and smell the cork. And yeah, it's a big ceremony. Is, no, that is something we have learned from French, of course. But that's something that gives value to the wine, a lot of value. Because even if it is not a, a super expensive bottle, let's say 20 euros bottle, it's good before you have tasted. And I, I should, I would love something similar to beer not not the same beer is not that but at least the right glass the right pouring so seeing some foam on those glasses from time to time it will be something good yeah. and uh, the the good shape of a glass maybe a, a coaster to that is something that that beer uh, liturgy has the glass with, with the logo in front of you, those are little uh, little little aspects that give a lot of value yeah. to beer. And it, I would love that, having more value, because I think, I'm, I'm honestly convinced that beer has a, a huge value in its insides. 
But yeah, only- it, it gives you it gives you a, a reverence and respect for it, and exactly. and and the, it doesn't change the taste of the beer, but it, it's kind of like. I, I, I liken that of if you're going to, if you're going to go out on a date with someone and you show up with holes in your t-shirt and, and ratty old shorts versus a nice button down shirt and some, and good looking outfit, the same person, completely exactly. different experience. Exactly. And, and, uh, since you taste with, with, with eyes before everything, yeah. the, the way in which the, the, the glass is presented, it, it's crucially important. So yeah. if, 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 if it arrives in a good way, uh, everything that comes after that is better. Then if the, if the beer is rubbish, of course, it still remains rubbish. But if the beer is good, we need, and, and, and luckily we have a lot of good beers in Italy, you need to, to, to give value to that. Yeah. Thank you for that. Um, uh, uh, we're running short on time. I want to just ask uh, a couple more questions. Another big one is why does good beer matter so much to you? Sorry, why? Didn't why does you. good beer matter so much to you? Uh, it's a it's a difficult one. Um, I guess it's it's a bit of personal history. Uh, my father is a cyclist and. Uh, was used to drink beer. He's a big drinker, not a wine drinker. That is very uncommon in my region. And I grew up following him uh, in uh, French uh, for a cycling competition. We live pretty close to the border. And I remember uh, a beer, a Pelfort Brune. Maybe you don't know it. It's a dark lager, full of caramel. I now, now I know. But at that time, only the color was something uh, surprising for me. No, there's something different. And I was too little to taste, but I remember the smell and I remember uh, my father having those glasses after a day of cycling and having a really good smile on, on his face. And maybe that was the seed, uh, you know, uh, inside me. And then when uh, the craft movements, uh, craft beer movement in Italy started in 96, uh, Baladeng is very close, it's half an hour from my home. And, and then I guess, I guess I get uh, a lot of energy from those guys. Uh, they, they, they were changing the, the world, uh, beer speaking, of course, but they're doing something different. And to me, that energy, uh, I was in, in my twenties. So I, 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 that was a good period of my life. A lot of energy involving, uh, also mm-hmm. going on and. I think that uh, convinced me a lot. So uh, those those people doing something completely strange, completely new for that time, and going to a completely unknown market, trying to convince people that beer should be something different. I guess that's something that I felt in love and never never end to to be yeah. loving beer. Yeah. Uh, I, I love that story. Thank you for telling it. Um, uh, so how can people find the Italian beer guide if, if we want to get it and, and head to Italy to experience these beers? Yeah, it's, it's uh, online at the Slow Food website. You can find it, I guess, also on Amazon. So it's pretty, pretty easy to, to get one. We are working on the new edition, uh, started right now, and that will be out in April, May. 2024. So wait for the new edition and uh, it will be uh, fully updated and with all also new places. And that includes also cider. We haven't talked about cider, but that's something also very interesting in Italy going on. As you know, in the UK, beer and cider are always in the, in the same pages uh, by, by camera. And we decided to do the same because uh, it is something, in a way, similar. Uh, they are doing excellent stuff. So maybe also between a beer and another a glass of cider, why not? Well, in what language is, is uh, the Italian Beer Guide published it's in? It's in Italian. It's obviously in Italian. But yeah. uh, it's, it's pretty visual. So there are symbols that uh, makes it understandable by, I guess, almost everybody. Uh, there's a symbol for the fermentation of the beer, top, bottom, spontaneous, mixed, uh, symbol for the color, 
uh, of course, uh, alcohol degrees. And um, so I guess it's, it's not that impossible even for an English speaking uh, to, to get inside the, the guide. And, well, um, and what a great the, way to the, learn uh, Italian. Yeah, also, yeah. And uh, the pub and uh, restaurant section is actually, there are very few words, just symbols. So you can, which symbols you understand is the place is doing uh, food, uh, hot, cold, if it is a door, if it is uh, near a car park and, and stuff like that. So yeah. um, almost at least the, the, the restaurant and pubs session is, uh, very easy to understand, uh, even for a non-Italian speaking, and it's something I truly recommend if you manage a trip to Italy because it gives you some uh, useful direction to discover to understand our beer culture. Ah, molto bene, grazie. Um, thank you so much for coming on to the podcast. Thank you for sharing your story and in your work and 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 just the absolute love that I've had for Italian food and culture. Uh, from way back when, thank you for kind of reviving that. And, and I, I can't wait to see what happens next in the beer culture in Italy. But thank you for being here. Uh, thanks again, uh, Jeremy, for this chat. Very interesting. And looking forward to meet you in person here in Italy. Yeah, this, same here. I, I really, really would love to make another trip to Italy. Uh, and, and when that happens, I'll buy your book and I'll reach out to you. That'd be great. Otherwise, yeah. saluti. I'm fortunate to have enjoyed the Italian dining experience. The preparation, the slow cooking, the attention to flavor and long conversations that last for hours. These are special occasions, the memorable experiences that somehow changed the trajectory of our lives for the better. I invite you to gather your loved ones and experience the same. In the next episode, we explore the stories and the flavors we find when an Irishman walks into a bar in Belgium. I'm on a virtual tour of the craft and culture of beer around the globe. I've put Good Beer Matters on video so I can take you along for the ride. If you know of a person, a place, or a beer story that needs to be told, let me know. Meanwhile, grab a beer, hang out with friends, and let your world open up. Thank you for listening. Cheers. Cheers.